Welcome to The Milestone, a clinically validated month-by-month guide to your baby's growth and development created by pediatric occupational therapists. I'm your host and co-founder of Rahu Baby, Matt Breen. And I'm Jen Johnson. I'm a brand marketer and creative, and I'm also mom to a two-year-old. Thanks for joining us. Friendly reminder, this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions regarding a medical condition. Happy listening. So we are back with Jen Perez. She is a speech-language pathologist and a certified lactation consultant who specializes in feeding and swallowing. And as a reminder, uh, Jen also has her own private practice that's called Growing Together Pediatric Feeding and Speech Therapy. I would highly encourage you to reach out to Jen if you want to talk more about any of the subjects we're about to talk about. Uh, Jen, thank you so, so much. You're you're a busy woman, and, and so you... Uh, absolutely rock for coming back and talking with us again. I would love to ask right off the bat about what some of those major challenges are around the four-month mark. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I am enjoying being here. So it's been a great experience. Um, and yeah, right off the bat, this is a exciting age because you're starting to come out of the newborn fog <laughs> as yeah. parents. Um, it's real, right, Jen? Oh, it's- Um, and you know, the babies are doing so much developmentally. You've been working so hard on that tummy time to get them nice and strong so that they can be able to, um, start introducing some baby foods. But a lot of times at this age, one of the biggest challenges or barriers to feeding, and it might show up even a little earlier than this four month mark, but is reflux. Mm. Um, and I have to say, I'm not a pediatrician. I'm not a GI specialist, but we see a lot of babies with feeding issues because of reflux. Um, yeah. Or I should say formula intolerance too is a big one, you know, whether the baby has a milk or dairy allergy. Um, and that can kind of rear its ugly head as a baby who then doesn't really want to eat or is struggling to eat. So um, pretty common to see that at this age. Yeah. And I, I remember um, developing such an appreciation for how, how common that challenges and how stressful it is for parents. And I was so fascinated to find out when I read that a lot of the research behind some of these medications that babies mm. take for reflux, um, the effectiveness actually isn't all that proven at this point, uh, yeah. mildly. So, um, if, if a baby, what are those, um, what, what can you try before you transition your baby to, to getting on a certain medication? Yeah. And that practice has changed so much in recent years. And you'll find, I think it's the American Academy of Pediatrics or even the guidelines for GI physicians is not to do medication first to try to do some of the other therapies out there. Um, The first one would be positioning. So trying to like strengthen your baby's core muscles um, with tummy time or whatever that may be to try to get them so that they have stronger um, muscles in their Mm -hmm. digestive system. Um, And then also positioning is huge. So if you had a baby who was enjoying 
um, laying flat when they were eating. Now, if you're seeing spit ups or discomfort, try to position them a little bit more upright, um, but without putting pressure on their stomach. So it does take a little bit of maneuvering and trying to figure out the right position, but you almost want them sitting, but with their legs nice and long. Um, So that's a pretty easy fix um, that doesn't involve any medications. And um, another way that they involve speech therapists is sometimes a physician will recommend that you add a little bit of cereal to the baby's bottles. Mm. Um, And I wouldn't do this without speaking to a physician first. um, But a lot of times if you think about reflux, you want it to, you want the food to stay in the belly. Once it's there, you don't want it coming back up into your mouth or nose. So if you can weigh it down a little bit with some cereal, it it just gravity helps keep it in the stomach so that you're not spitting up as much. But um, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. It takes a little bit of um, trial and error and trying to figure out what nipple you use, what bottle you should use, uh, because going to a faster bottle can actually, when the baby's not ready, can actually trigger reflux as well. So uh, that's an important piece is making sure the bottle isn't too fast that you're using that then causing the baby to gulp too much air. Um, but like I said, with the cereal, it's it works for a lot of babies. I would just make sure that you're getting that guidance from a doctor yeah. or a therapist that's skilled in this area before starting any of this on your own. You don't want to go like cutting nipples open or slicing them because that just sets up a choking risk and a whole other host of problems. That's good to know. I did not know. Um, I didn't. I didn't know the whole thing about the flow rate. If mm-hmm. you have a faster flow that that could actually cause reflux. Yeah. Maybe if you switch to a bottle, you switch the nipples out, you know, one of the first things and you start experiencing this, the first thing you could try was going back to the old one. Yes. Perfect. Yep. Yep. You always have what worked before um, to go back to. The Milestone is brought to you by Rahu Baby. Visit us at rahubaby.com and use our special code for our podcast listeners. It's Milestone20 for 20% off your first purchase. You know, my pediatrician told us that to start Vivi on purees when she was four months old. And so we started with that. But then I hear, hear other people say six months and like, I guess it just, does that depend on the child or is it really more like, is there a set time? Mm, yeah. So it is different for each child. Um, there are guidelines put out by the American Academy of Pediatrics that um, I think they loosely say four to six months, somewhere in that range, but you don't necessarily like turn four months one day and then you're ready to eat. You want to look at a lot of other things that are going on in the baby's development at this time, um, such as, you know, does the baby have good head control? Are they starting to sit a little bit with some support or either on their own? Um, And that's probably a more important milestone to look for rather than a baby's age. Um, But generally, you don't want to start purees or spoon feeding before four months. Um, Just from a GI standpoint, they're probably not ready for it. But uh, if if they're meeting those other important developmental milestones, then I think it is appropriate to start as early as four months for some babies. Yeah, so if they're in the high chair, they have the head control. They're not; their heads aren't falling back. It's usually yeah. a, a means that they're 
they are capable of taking a spoon and, and exactly. navigating that food into their stomach. Yeah. And they won't eat a lot at the beginning. I don't know if you had this experience, Jen, where you're, you know, you're all excited, you get the the meal ready, you got the food, and then the baby just spits everything out. <laughs> you're like, oh, they don't like to eat. But no, it's not that. That's just a normal developmental pattern for them to spit things out. You know, their their whole life, their tongue has moved in a way that was made for sucking from a bottle, which means tongue protrusion, pulling it back in. So now you're teaching them a whole new way of moving their mouth and their tongue and trying to. Wow, I didn't really realize that. I mean, I didn't, I don't think I understood that. Yeah, it's a completely different mechanism or like way of using your tongue and your teeth. So maybe don't take the uh, don't take too much time making that perfect puree <laughs> like the first few times. It'll just gonna come right back out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, we it was very like we would make the like rice cereal at the beginning, and she would take like two bites and whatever. And then, and then we went through a period where she ate really well, and now she's two, and she's just like, oh, oh the picky eating. <laughs> what are you talking? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of discussion too around like what do you give for a first food, um, and you know there that has changed a lot over the years. Um, I've been practicing now um, for like I don't know over 15 years, but um, you know they used to say because when allergies started becoming more prevalent, I think the approach was you know, start with something bland. Let's not introduce any high allergen foods like nuts or eggs or uh, things like that. And in the last, I don't know, 10 years, maybe more than that, it has totally changed where now they're saying, you know, expose the baby to these foods as early on as you can. I mean, I wouldn't throw it all at them when they're four months old and you do want to be systematic about how you introduce these foods, but they're actually now saying, you know, don't start with rice cereal, don't start with oatmeal cereal, start with real food. Um, and then, you know, start with one food every three to five days, and then gradually start to introduce new foods into the repertoire. Um, the reason being is that the oatmeal and the rice is kind of like empty calories. And with the concern for obesity in our country nowadays, they're saying start with the more nutritious like fruits and vegetables and things like that. Yeah, she definitely was used to be a, a very big fan of um, like pureed avocado. She yes. love that. And even now she'll still agree to eat guacamole grudgingly. But, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, I, I felt it's funny that you mentioned that because I definitely had that feeling about the cereal because that's what we started with because we were a little unsure. Mm. But it's, it's not something that we stuck with for a long period because it, like you say, it's not there's really no nutrition there. Yeah, it's kind of, it's a nice way to like add some bulk to the meal and start to mix things in with the rice or the oatmeal. Um, and I think your parents will tell you, you should start with baby rice, baby oatmeal. And that's just because that's what they had been taught all those years. So mm -hmm. I think with the research coming out around food allergies, it is so important to start with some of those other foods as early on as you possibly can. Uh, with the caveat that the only thing you want to avoid under one year of age is um, honey. You don't want to give honey to any babies under 12 months. And if you have a history of food allergies in your family, you absolutely want to consult with your pediatrician first before you start any spoon feeding. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. And so when do you 
we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but just for the purpose of, you know, if a parent's listening to this and they're trying to mentally prepare themselves for what feeding is going to look like the next several months, when do you like to see the bottle really start to scale back and in, 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 in now they're really feeding? Um, so really under a year, the formula or the breast milk should still be the primary nutrition because they're complete with all of the nutrients and uh, vitamins and minerals and all that, that the baby will need. Um, and I would say, you know, the first few months that you're introducing baby food, it's mostly for experience and not necessarily like volume or nutrition because they're learning how to eat. And it's, you know, I wouldn't expect them to take a measurable volume of the baby food right off the bat. It's going to take a while to kind of build up to that point. Um, so yeah, most pediatricians will recommend that either formula or breast milk is the primary means of nutrition until 12 months. But, you know, I would say around like eight, nine, 10 months, somewhere in there, all of a sudden you're going to wake up one day and be like, oh, we're kind of like on a meal schedule. We're now doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It just kind of like happens that one day you realize that you're not feeding around the clock and grazing yeah. on all day. It's, it's really kind of remarkable how that kind of works itself out. Well, because those cues around this age are present, but they look different than they were at the new newborn stage, right? Yeah. They don't show you as much how they're hungry um, with some of those like licking the lips and, you know, the, the baby signs when they're first learning how to eat. Um, they're, you know, it's up to you to kind of like set the schedule now and yeah. make sure you're giving them, you know, meals, so, so to speak. Sure. Um, like everything else, it's not, not everything is just reflexive mm -hmm. at point for the baby. They're, they're, they're having to volitionally or on their own yes. do some of this stuff. Yep. Absolutely. Now, are there, um, other general pieces of advice when it comes to starting purees that you, you like to tell parents about to just promote overall success with it? Yeah. Um, you know, as feeding therapists, we really love when babies are able to get messy. So, mm. you know, when you eat as an adult, feeding is, a, you know, there is a lot of senses that are involved with feeding. You eat with your eyes, you eat with your mouth, you listen to the food crunching, uh, you touch it with your hands, you smell it. There's You're using all of your senses when it comes to eating and you want babies to have that experience as well. So, as hard as it is for some parents to let their kids play or get messy with food, it is an important learning experience to let them play with a little bit of food on their tray. You know, mm. maybe you're guiding the feeding and, you know, using a spoon to get the food in. But while you're doing that, maybe you're letting the baby touch a little bit of food on the mm -hmm. tray or, um, you know, finger painting and kind of, you know, making it fun for them too, because it is a good way to, um, explore the other senses when it comes to, to meals. Jen, do you think there we're still at the talking about like that four or five month range? Do you think that there should be uh, a general time limit on how long these uh, puree meals 
last, like how long you're willing to sit with your, I mean, if you're just sitting there with your baby and you're trying and you're trying and trying, it's just not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, is it okay to just keep on trying or at a certain point you say, okay, like let's revisit this a little later. Yeah, absolutely. Revisit at a later point. If the baby's starting to cry and become upset or you're seeing, you know, gagging repeatedly, a little bit of gagging is normal when a baby tries a new food. But if you're seeing that throughout the whole meal, then that's some signs that maybe it's not the right time and you want to revisit it in a week or, um, you know, a couple weeks later or try to figure out, you know, why is this happening? Why is the baby not enjoying the meal? But yeah, keeping them in the high chair for more than like 10 or 15 minutes at this age is probably pushing your limits <laughs> um, just with their attention and ability to focus. And, and you want to end the meal on a good note so that they're wanting mm. to come back to the high chair and enjoy the experience the next time you, you know, put them in the high chair to work on this. Yeah. When Vivian was done, she would just like whoosh, throw, <laughs> throw the spoon or throw the thing, knock it over and just be like, I'm done. That's how I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. I love that you gave her a spoon to play with because yeah. you, you know, you're not expecting them to self feed at this age, but the fact that you're letting her play with it and knowing that it's probably going to end up on the floor, but still that's a learning experience right there. She's probably exploring it a little bit in her mouth and, um, you know, working on that hand to mouth coordination, which she'll eventually need when she starts finger feeding. Um, th th it's such a great thing, but it does take a lot of patience from parents to know. <laughs> you have to know that that, oh, I mean, I recommend that you get a dog. Is what yeah. I like. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. They'll be the, the kid's best friend when the oh, finger yeah. feeding starts. <laughs> With each of you, were there one, was there one food that you, your little one tried for the first time where you remember them just absolutely loving it? Oh, not berries. Any, and even to this day, any type of berry, blackberry, blueberry, strawberry. She's like, <laughs> all over it. she's like a little hummingbird. Just yeah. like the sweet things, unfortunately. Yeah. My kids love like anything flavorful. Um, you know, I was so careful as a new mom to like, all right, three days of applesauce, three days of squash and all this. I send them to my mother-in-law who's from El Salvador. She was like giving them um, like rice and beans and like all this like really flavorful food early on. And I remember I, they came home from her house one day and she, I was like, okay, here's the list of what the baby can have. She's like, oh, I, I just gave them what I wanted. <laughs> and, you know, the funny thing is now my kids, my kids eat pretty good. I have to say they love like all that culture, like different culture foods, spicy things. They're, I credit my mother-in-law. <laughs> See, she knew. Grandma knew. Yeah, exactly. yeah when in doubt. When in doubt. That's for <laughs> 